What's in the bag? A shark or something? Put the bunny back in the box. guys five movies this is one of your co-hosts chris gasper this is frank pelican you are listening to the quick cage and uh frank uh which movie are you going to tell us about tonight uh so tonight we're going to talk about the 1998 um studio remake uh city of angels um co-starring uh meg ryan dennis france andre brower um I don't really like using the term remake here because it's more of like a interpretation, maybe, of the um, Vin Vendor's um, I think '94 movie um, "Wings of Desire." Um, excellent movie, well worth watching if you ever have the time. Um, it might be on the Criterion Channel right now. It's definitely a Criterion DVD, um, but really great movie. Um, evocative and profound and pretty beautiful. Um, three words which I will not be using to describe anything in uh, this film. Um, so for anyone who's unaware of this movie or who hasn't seen it, uh, it's basically the story of Cage plays an angel named Seth, of all things. Um, angels are omnipresent on Earth. And they kind of just like watch people like live um, and then provide them with like unseen comfort because you can't see angels unless you're on death's door, basically. Um, they're kind of just abstract like concepts almost that sort of are doing the will of God on earth and providing comfort and guidance to people in times of trouble. Um, so that's Nick Cage's Seth character. Um, he's also friends with um, uh, Cassiel, who's played by Andre Brower, who's another angel. Um, angels are basically these, I can't think of a good word that's not like super insulting, but um, childlike maybe is the best way to put it. Uh, creatures that really have like no guile or wit or um, personality. They're just sort of these like, like slates that kind of just sit there and look beatific and touch people like meaningfully on the hand or whatever. Um, Cage falls in love uh, with Meg Ryan's character, um, Dr. Maggie Rice, when he witnesses her basically break down after an operation that goes wrong and her patient dies. Um, and so he starts to basically violate angel law and make himself visible to her um, in the creepiest of ways, like just kind of like appearing and knowing things about her and talking to her in these like vague, um, euphemistic uh, platitudes sort of, um, which she's super into because he's got like moony eyes and dark hair, I suppose. Um, I mean, a lot of shit happens in this movie that's not necessarily worth talking about because whatever. 
Um, Cage meets uh, the, this Dennis France character who is another person that Maggie has performed an operation on and successfully. And um, France like knows that Cage is there, so he reveals himself when they talk. And it turns out that France is an ex-angel who fell in love with a mortal woman and then basically like fell from grace to become a mortal man. Like he sacrificed his immortality to be a human. Um, and so through the course of the movie as Cage like falls more and more in love for absolutely no reason with this woman um, because she's not really got any personality either. Um, and really kind of looks like um, like a more effeminate uh, Jake Paul, maybe if you're familiar. Um, yes. Just like boy haircut. Uh, I don't know. So they fall in love, but she's been dating this other doctor for a long time. Who's in love with her, wants to marry her. So a couple points, I think Cage, like it's implied that he watches them like screw kind of okay. because like he's in her apartment, like invisible and like watching and then she disappears um is Colm Fior whatever his name is is that who plays the other doctor yeah that's him okay um so he decides that he's because he confesses his love and then she kisses him and he's like I'm an angel I can't feel anything and so she takes a knife and like cuts his hand I guess to prove him wrong because you know that's that's how you do um, but he doesn't bleed and he heals right away so she freaks out and she's like I don't even believe in God I can't take this bullshit and then he just like disappears Um, so she goes to her uncle or grandfather's um, lakeside cabin in Lake Tahoe um, and he's like I'm going to prove my love by giving up my immortality so he jumps off a skyscraper and crashes down and wakes up on a construction site where a very young Nick Offerman starts making fun of him. Um, so then he goes to the hotel, or the hotel, he goes to the hospital, and no one will tell him where she is, except he sees this one doctor that he knew from all of his, like, invisible spying times. And she tells him, oh, well, Maggie went up to her, you know, whatever, person's lake house, and she had to sort some things out. So he decides he's going to go up there. So he goes outside and he gets mugged and beaten up. Oh, no, that happens. I'm sorry. That happens on his way to the hospital. He gets mugged and beaten up. Um, or I don't know. It happens at some point. So he ends up hitching a ride with a truck driver to Reno and then is automatically in Tahoe after that. And I'm not really sure of the proximity, but probably not something where you can just like whatever automatically get there. So he shows up on her doorstep and he's all beaten up and disheveled. And she realizes that he sacrificed his whatever immortality for her so they fuck um obviously and wake up the next morning and he's taking a shower and like enjoying like the feeling of being in the shower and oh, i'm washing my hair this is the first time i ever washed my hair like so amazing so she decides to go to the grocery store because the fucking like peasant breakfast that she was making um wasn't enough a lot of olive oil in this movie too let me tell you that like there's olive oil like everywhere in this movie but then that's just olive oil. Yeah, not not the Popeye character, but like different kinds of like infused olive oils, like rosemary and garlic and stuff. And mm. People talk about it like several times. I don't understand. But anyway, so, so real quick, um, now that he's human or whatever, like does he act uh-huh. differently? 
he still just kind of talks like this. Okay. And he's very slow and very methodical. He's just in love. Yeah. So she goes to the local grocer to buy some more stuff so she can make them breakfast. And as she's riding her bike back, um, riding her bike with both of her hands off the handlebars and like looking up at the sky like in this angelic like Jesus Christ pose. Um, she gets hit by a truck and dies. So he's like cradling her body and he's like, Don't look at the angels, don't look at the angels. But she dies anyway. Um, so then Andre Brower appears to him and he's like, How you feeling there, bro? And Nick Cage is like, That's the worst feeling I've ever felt. And he says, Well, would you do it again? And he says, and Nick Cage says, for one scent of her hair, for one kiss from her lip, whatever. He makes this like big flowery fucking purple prose nonsense speech. He would give up, like for one minute, he would give up his immortality over and over. Dr. Brower's like, cool. So then somehow Nick Cage, I guess, just inherits all of her shit because now he's got like this really nice house and like, it's just like living a human life and hanging out with Dennis France. And um, the trade-off, I guess. Yeah, so he just runs in the ocean while this whole like gaggle of angels like watches him. And that's it. Um, oh, because earlier in the movie, Dennis France was telling him like um, why it's like good to be a human. And Dennis France gets naked and runs into the ocean. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so that's pretty much it. Um, there's a lot of things about this movie that are. Um, really bad but it's overall like not super offensive i guess um it's just really bland and like the two hours is way too long um because a lot of it is just like overwrought scenes of them staring into each other's eyes or angels like creepily gazing at somebody who's in like a moment of distress or I mean, really, like, according to City of Angels, like, right now there's three angels in this room, like, watching me sit on my couch talking to you, and there's probably some angels in the background behind you, too, that are just sitting there watching because they ain't got nothing else to do. Um, and obviously, both of us live a life of distress, so, you know, it's, like, ripe for, uh, ripe for observation, I suppose. Yeah. Um, there's a really creepy... So, she meets him... And she's like super intrigued by him. And she thinks that he's Dennis France's friend. Because remember, Dennis France was her patient. Sure. So she's at home. Like the implication is that she's masturbating in the bathtub, like thinking about Seth. Okay. And I need to look up what the song is. Like one of the most disturbing fucking songs ever written is played. Um, it's, it's it's not Iris. No, no, no. That plays later. Um, I wish I knew what it was. So there's a line in it that's like male, um, or, male or female singer. It's a female singer. I think it's this "Feel in Love" song by Paula Cole. Mm. Let me look up the lyrics. Holy cool. shit, I didn't realize there were so many people on this soundtrack. Oh, yeah, yeah. Seriously, okay. I, I only associate this movie with Iris, so. 
So let me read you some some lines. Ready? You make me feel like a sticky pistol leaning into a stamen. You make me feel like splendor in the grass while we're rolling. Damn Skippy, baby, you make me feel like the Amazon's running between my thighs. Mm. So, like, all this is playing. Oh, my God. Well, they don't get to this part. It gets much more, um, much more obvious. And when I open the door and I'd be all wet with my tits soaking through this tiny little t-shirt that I'm wearing, and you would open the door and tie me up to the bed. So this is what's coming next. This okay, is- yeah. So um gotcha. All right. Just yeah. gave up just gave up on the metaphor, huh? Right. Well, the Amazon's running between my thighs is kind of like skirting a metaphor anyway. I mean, that's just sort of kind of grotesque like imagery. Um but anyways, that's what's playing when she's masturbating to uh the idea of this weird man that keeps like appearing randomly and knowing things about her and um and it's like cheating like so i'm trying to think of a good analogy to this because like you know there's there's movies where somebody has some kind of superpower and so they learn something about the person they care about so they can appear to know more about it and be like appealing to that person like that's what this angel is doing so he finds out that she likes hemingway and so he starts quoting Hemingway to her, like in the library, because they're in the library at one point, um, to get her like all hot and bothered. But I mean, like, dude's supposed to be an angel, you know, and uh, he's just looking to get late. Like, basically, the the parable of this movie, or whatever the point of this movie is, that if you want some, you, you want some ass, you got to like give something else up. And I guess the ultimate price to pay for Meg Ryan is like her eternal soul or whatever. So. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's cool. Um, yeah, there's um, there it's it's a really stacked like like '90s superstar um soundtrack. The U2, Alanis Morissette, uh, Sarah McLaughlin, Goo Goo Dolls, Peter Gabriel. Um, that's about it, I guess. Yeah, some other bands that I know, sort of John Lee Hooker. Um. Yeah, so it's a really weird interpretation of like a spiritual afterlife because like that's the whole thing is the angels are supposed to take people that are like about to die and kind of like guide them calmly into you know into the light or whatever. Yeah. Um, but that they also can like develop these human feelings even though they're not supposed to. Which is also sort of like kind of a blasphemous idea if you think about it because Early in the movie, there's a conversation between um, Seth and Cassiel, uh, Brower and Gage, <clears throat> where they're kind of talking about, like, why are we different than people, basically? Like, this is, you know, right. millions of years into their existence or whatever. This is, like, their topic of conversation. And it's basically, like, what God made us this way to be completely different than humans, blah, blah, blah. So... If, like, these angels can just randomly decide they don't want to be angels anymore, like, doesn't that make God kind of fallible? Which is sort of, like, super anti-Christian. And I'm not saying this movie's, like, Christian at all, because it's really not. Like, it's more... I mean, the angels are kind of more mythological figures than they are, um... You know what I mean? Like, actual, um... You know, heavenly beings or whatever. Um... So I was telling you before we got on the night that um, 
I got to get a root canal next week because I've had like, you know, like, um, you know, tooth pain for uh, about five or six days now. And um, I realized like as someone who's been lucky enough, never have anything like this, that like it's a new experience for me. So I've been like, you know, paying attention to it, plus my hypochondriac. Um, but I've noticed that stress makes things worse, like um, like the, 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 the ache of it. And I forgot what movie you were talking about tonight. And as soon as you told me what it was, and I thought of that fucking Goo Goo Dolls song, my mouth immediately just started throbbing. Um, you, you want me to sing it for you? You just, you just want me to need to know who you are? Right, I just want you to know who I am. I can't remember when that song plays. Like, I guess it's when he's, you know when it plays? So it's right after he falls from grace and he's trying to make his way to the hospital. And he's just like, he's basically like like a child or he's he kind of plays it like like rain man sort of like dustin hoffman rain man that makes perfect sense i mean what i, I give up forever to touch you right like i mean it's the first line of that whole thing like yeah. i mean right i mean and I'm just, I, I don't i don't think this was that was written for this movie was it yes oh okay well then yeah it makes complete sense yeah resonix uh sat there and said that he wrote the song i was thinking about the situation of the nicholas cage character in the movie this guy is completely willing to give up his own mortality just to be able to feel something very human and i think whoa what an amazing thing it must be to love someone so much that you give up everything to be with them that's a pretty heavy thought that's a, that's a quote right that's that's heavy I fucking, this song like haunted me. It followed me around everywhere. It felt like during that time. I probably, I'm probably not alone. I mean, it was probably everywhere during that time, but every fucking radio station, I swear to God. Which, if you had to, if you, okay, say you go to hell, right? Okay. What, what Google Doll, Google Doll songs playing? Right. Slide or Iris? Which one? It's baby's black balloon. That's that's funny. But if you had to take between slide or iris, which one? What is my song that I hear in hell? Yes. Iris or slide. Probably iris. Yeah. I don't think the slide is a good song, but I think slide at least has like some energy to it. Right. It, you know, where it's right. like constantly like the beat and everything is like driving towards that course mm -hmm. um it only like kind of falls apart towards the end where it like all slows down but like iris is so plotting and then so like saccharinely epic in like it's like swelling chorus that and i can just picture that motherfucker with his goddamn mm -hmm. yeah tell me tell me tell bob, me yeah fucking bob haircut like uh -huh. It was his fat fucking head with like the hair just across the one eye, and his obvious like eyeshadow. It's like, dude, you're like 50 years old, you know. Yeah, this infection is just fucking throbbing right now. Thinking about this motherfucker, I can't stand right. the way that dude looks. Like, I can't, I can't stand remember, it. I can't, I can't remember his name. I used to know it. It's uh like Johnny Resnick, right? Or something like yeah, you're right. It is. Yeah. Very good job. Yeah. See, I think you're. I I think you're secretly the world's biggest Goo Goo Dolls fan. Well, 
Jesus. Is there, is there, it's gotta be with one of the top five worst bands of that decade, right? Like in terms of pop that, that were popular. That achieved like overreaching like mainstream success. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Them and Train, I would say. Yeah. And train Train might be the worst because like. Well, they only had one hit, right? Oh, no. No, Train's got all kinds of hits. Really? Drops of Jupiter, Hey Virginia. Um, oh, I forgot about Hey Virginia. Or Meet Virginia, Hey Soul Whatever Sister. it is, yeah. I, I know. Fucking, this, fucking yeah. hey, hey Soul Sister, Ain't That Mr. Mr. on the radio? Oh, I don't Stereo, know that The yeah. Way You Move, It Ain't Fair, You Know? No, I don't know. Fuck, what is the line in that song about his fucking untrimmed chest? Oh my god, I have to I have to look this lineup now because it's so bad. This is a good topic for the new podcast um that we're gonna start here in sometime in the um you know next year, um, whenever this happens. But um yeah, it's like uh hated 90s bands. Um I'm all about that. All right, so here's here's the here's the stanza. Are you ready? Yeah. I'm so obsessed, my heart is bound to beat right out my untrimmed chest. I believe in you like a virgin here, Madonna, and I'm always going to want to blow your mind. Mm. Hey, soul sister, ain't that Mr. Mr. on the radio, stereo, the way you move, it ain't fair, you know. Mm. Oh, 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 no, I'm sorry. This is another good answer. The way you can cut a rug, watching you is the only drug I need. So gangsta, I'm so thug. You're the only one I'm dreaming of. Mm. Jesus. Oh. Right. This, this, this is This is a... Ugh. Uh, like number one hit. God, I can't wait. Train, train, train is real bad, man. Train is real bad. So train, goo goo dolls. Maybe Matchbox 20. Although I I kind of like some of that guy's like man, eh, no, that's really bad. Hmm. Was Maroon 5 late 90s, or were they more early 2000s? Uh, I think they appear in 99, but it's, I, I would consider it more early 2000s, honestly. Yeah. If I had to guess, I'm just going off my memory. But, um, hold on, Matchbox 20. Is that Rob Thomas? Yes, Rob Thomas. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Underrated band, though, that had, was overwhelmingly yeah. popular. That kind of, like, hit the super high and then just like dropped off to nothing is um third eye blind mm. Mm. like i think that all anybody ever thinks about is fucking um what's that i wish you could step out from that ledge my friend, friend. Yeah. jumper Sorry. yeah exactly mm-hmm. see look, look look at you like you're all about like music trivia to me oh come on i have talked so many times about fucking bands i fucking despise like um and i i know this shit um yeah, so anyway, yeah, it was turning into the 90s band hate, but um, I I cannot, this is the, that's the only thing I think of. I've never seen this movie, I refuse to watch it. It's the right. only thing I think of when I think of this movie is fucking Goo Goo Dolls. Um, so let me, let me say this too. So have you ever seen Wings of Desire? Yeah. The Wings of Desire is this beautiful tale of not only like this longing to experience something outside of yourself, but also the idea that like you can make the opposite choice of that and it's still okay. 
like that every experience is a unique experience and some people find joy in like losing and then regaining things and some people find joy in just like accepting who they are you know what i mean because mm-hmm. you got like like the dichotomy of like um Dam- damriel and cassiel or whatever their names are in that right. movie. and it's like damriel finds happiness you know like he experiences life and he finds love and he's got like he goes to a Nick Cave concert or whatever. And then Cassiel is okay with, like, rejecting the idea of, like, giving up his immortality and just staying an angel. And, like, they do such a beautiful job of just, like, like, and it's got Peter Falcon. Right? And it's just such a, such a really good, interesting, beautiful movie. And then, so, name of the movie is City of Angels, right? Mm-hmm. So it takes place in Los Angeles. So you think that, you know, a city that in like was still kind of tied to its its history in the nineties of like gang violence and you know, um whatever, like the LA riots. I mean, you're only a few years separated from that shit in nineteen ninety-eight, right? Right, sure. So like talented filmmakers would have taken that and used it as a parable for hell. Like these angels are genuinely standing on the precipice of hell like trying to save people whenever they can but the only the gang violence that happens is Nick Cage is walking down the street and these four dudes pull up in like I don't know a fucking like um, Monte Carlo or something mm-hmm. and they're like hey and Nick Cage leans on and he's like hey fellas and they jump out beat him up, and then take his shoes and leave. Right. Like, just drive off with his fucking shoes. Like, he's got no money. He Did they, like, that. throw him over, like, a cable line or something like that? Nah, he's just sitting there. They just leave him on the ground. I mean, nothing happens. No, I meant the shoes. Oh, I don't know. Maybe later. That's 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 in the extended cut. Right. Um, And then, like, pans up to the skies. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So it's like, like you name it City of Angels and you set it in Los Angeles but like you don't ever explore that theme you know what I mean right right. it's just whatever it's just like a convenient setting for a goddamn like rom-drum or something like yeah like bloated romantic melodrama I don't know I knew a lot of people that liked this movie. Let me tell you something. This movie made a shitload of money. And I remember being so pissed off like every night this Man, movie. It, bro- was it broke a hundred, right? I mean, it was crazy. like almost two hundred million, I think. Yeah. And this is when movies were five dollar matinees, like seven fifty evening shows. So like over a hundred million dollars is a big deal in like nineteen ninety eight. That's probably like a three or four hundred million dollar movie today in terms of like modern mm-hmm. theater pricing. And it's awful, man. Right. It, it, it's 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 one of the creepiest and most tone deaf cage performances, like ever. And I look, I love Meg Ryan, and Meg Ryan is a complete dud in this movie. Like she's not; she's supposed to be. If you're making this movie, you want that character to be someone that your male audience members fall in love with, along with Nick Cage. You know right. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and he needs to be someone that your female audience members or whatever, like whatever your sexual orientation is, but people that are attracted to men mm-hmm. should be like, 
I feel like this longing and this pain. Because, you know, they don't ever show him, like, experiencing anything negative. I mean, he has to watch people die, but he knows what the end result is. Sure. He doesn't watch anyone suffer. He doesn't watch anyone... There's not even any poor people in this movie. And they're in the middle of fucking, like, South L.A. or something. Like, Mm -hmm. South Central. You know, it's like, it makes no sense. And it's, it's completely, like, inappropriately whitewashed, like, view of the city and the setting and it just fails on basically like every single facet of what it's trying to accomplish i mean seriously they do their absolute best to make meg ryan look so plain and unappealing and like look i get it that like she's a doctor and they're trying to show her like being a doctor but man like you remember, so we were talking about this on a Zoom call the other day. We were on with our friend Ryan, and we were talking about how um, one of the most like heartbreaking parts of that um, trial of O.J. Simpson is when um, um, Marsha Marsha Harding, no, Marsha Clark, Marsha Clark, just decides like I got to make a change. She gets that hairstyle, and she gets torn apart. Well, like, after the after after the media criticized her for her like plainness and all those kind of things and right. she might decide to make a change and then they and then they crucify her for the change yeah right like the, she just got made fun of like incessantly and like you've come to care about that character mm-hmm. to the point where like it's it's pretty fucking heartbreaking like to see that happen you feel like painful and they forced that haircut on Meg Ryan in this movie with no sense of like irony or any understanding that like you're making this woman look like a boy, basically. I don't know. And they like they never shoot her in any kind of really flattering light. Like I, I think Meg Ryan is a very attractive woman. And I like Meg Ryan as an actress probably about 50% of the time. And I think that when she's in the right thing, I think that she can give a good performance. And she definitely has this like very like, I don't know like this inner beauty to her, this inner light when she's like filmed right where you like um fucking the shit with Billy Crystal. What's that fucking movie? Um uh when Harry Met Sally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So attractive in that movie. You know, like you you watch that movie and you think, I wish Meg Ryan was my girlfriend or whatever. Right. You never feel that in this movie. And it's like completely misses like every single thing it's attempting to do by making these two characters weird and unlike right. because then like where's your investment in the love story you know like that's how a romance works sure that's why shit like that's why i love shit like um my best friend's wedding right because even though julia roberts is trying to hate cameron diaz they film cameron diaz in such a way that you can't help but like her as the audience mm-hmm. So it makes you invested in her relationship with what's his name? Fucking um the dude who's, I always Yeah, but I always confuse him with somebody else. Dylan McDermott. Yeah, Dylan McDermott. I don't know. Whatever. That's enough about City of Angels. Fucking garbage movie. Here's another right. thing. Here's another reason why I hate this fucking movie. Uh I back in the day, done, okay. Back in the day, you used to be able to buy three packs of movies. From Best Buy, and they right. were like fifteen dollars. Yeah, and it was always they were always the um, the cardboard clamshell cases, sure, with like the plastic snap, <clears throat> and it was usually like 
three dissimilar things. But there was a three pack that was. Hold on, can I guess it? I'm not gonna. Yeah, yeah I might remember. Say it. Uh, City of Angels. And that's in it. Yeah. Micho Black. No. Uh. Uh-uh, oh. Similar. Okay. No, it was. It was. It was two movies that I would have wanted to see, and then City of Angels. Uh... But I can't. I, I can't remember what the other two were, but they were straight wrapped together, and City of Angels was in the middle. And so I have owned City of Angels for the better part of like 23 years at this point. That's hilarious. Yeah. All right. So this guy, um, Brad, I got my class, Silberling, terrible name. Um, I'm going to give you some of his movies here Casper, City of Angels. Lemony Snicket's series of unfortunate events and Land of the Lost. Have you seen all four of those movies? Uh, I don't know if I've seen Casper all the uh, way through. Mm. You missed uh, Moonlight Mile. I like Moonlight Mile. Oh, okay. I don't know that movie. What is that? Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, Dustin Hoffman, Susan Sarandon movie. No, I don't know that movie. Um, oh, Dabney Coleman, sorry. I mean, it's another, like, romantic drama, but it's not, I mean, it's not a great movie, but it's not bad. Um, I have seen Land of the Lost. Um, I have seen Lemony Snicket. All right, so what's what's his best movie, then, uh, out of the ones you've seen? Moonlight Mile? Hmm, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you, like, I actually enjoy the Land of the Lost that he did, because I think that... I think that Farrell, like, understands the ridiculousness of the TV show, but it's still there's still enough reverence to it where it's not like it's not one of those like movie parodies that like absolutely shits on the source material. Right. Like it it legitimately it think think of like the 21 Jump Street movie from like a decade ago. Where like it's a comedy and it's a comedy that's like kind of the antithesis, you know what I mean, of like what the show was. Mm-hmm. But it's obvious that all those people that are making that movie love that show and have absolute reverence for it. So even though like it's kind of like making fun of it, it's doing it in a way that still is somehow like being reverential and kind of like a nice homage to the original material, you know? Mm-hmm. This is like similar to that in that sense, where it's because the original show, I, mean, I don't know how much you watched Land of the Lost as a kid, but like Land of the Lost when I was very little. Yeah. When I was like three or four, Land of the Lost is what I watched on Saturday mornings because it was on at like, I don't know, whenever, whenever, before real cartoons started. Okay. Or maybe, I can't remember when it came on, but it was on at some point on my Saturday morning cartoons. And so I would watch it. I'm like, like I like the Slee Stacks. And at that point, like, you know, I mean, you're a tiny little kid. Like, what do you know about special effects? So, sure. like the dinosaurs. And there's actually some really cool, like, Greek mythology stuff in it, like Medusas and stuff like that. It's not a good movie, don't get me wrong. Like, I would never recommend it to anybody, but as someone who was, like, my formative years were spent as a fan of Land of the Lost, like, I still can appreciate it, so. Um, I only remember little bits of Casper. This got Christina Ricci in it, right? It does. Yeah, I think maybe I watched it with my brother, like, one time. Um, But one of those things where I was probably, like, reading or, like, playing Game Boy or something and not really paying attention. Right. Um... 
certainly an upgrade from a tiger handheld. The the lemony snicket, um, yeah, tiger handheld. The lemony snicket, um, would be. I don't know those books well enough to necessarily be like upset about that movie. I know that there's a lot of people that think that it's um, somewhat <clears throat> like it, that is not a good adaptation, and I mean that could be true. Um, but I mean, I think that it looks cool. You know, like some of the sets are nice in it. Yeah, I mean, I guess it goes up through the it, reptile house. Maybe is like the last one, or they pack way too much into one movie. Like, I look, I sure, I you did you watch the Netflix series or did you avoid mm-hmm. that? Oh, okay, because like they I do it. Lot. Oh, okay, because they do it. it it's it's to me, it's like one of these things that doesn't get talked about enough. Like, honestly, it's fucking amazing. Right. Fantastic show. um, But I don't necessarily think that the movie... I thought that... You're right. Like, it tried to do way too much. Number one, it was trying to be, like... I didn't know that at the time when I saw it. Don't get me wrong. Like, I mean, I'm not familiar with those books. I never read them. But, like, now I understand that they try to do way too much, and I understand also, I think that, like... I would prefer something like Neil Patrick Harris's knowing ham as opposed to Jim Carrey's unknowing ham. So they were really just, I mean, the the problem with that movie is that they said the producers were basically like, Hey, there's this Harry Potter thing. Like we need our own Harry Potter franchise. And so instead of like, that's what they were trying to capture is like sure. fucking Harry Potter mm-hmm. man. It just failed. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I'm just It's not a bad movie, I don't think. It's just that it's it, in hindsight now, it's it's like this is one hundred percent that was worse movie. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you should watch um his other movies and then see if that's true. It's ridiculous. Ten I items get... ten, all we got left, I think, is ten items or less. And an ordinary man. And an ordinary man, yeah. Get on that, uh... No, I've seen this movie. Which one? An Ordinary Man. Man, what the fuck? Okay. With, with Ben Kingsley? Wow, okay. This does not look like your kind of movie. How the fuck do you see this movie? You didn't see this movie. Let me, let me look. A war criminal is hiding in plain sight in an unnamed Balkan country. He is wanted internationally for ethnic cleansing and war crimes, and his country pretends his whereabouts to be unknown, despite international pressures to turn him in. This is not a movie that you just randomly watch. Come the fuck on. You know, you know. I did randomly watch it. I don't know why. I'm trying to figure it out. Yeah. It's weird. It wasn't very good. Better than uh, City of Angels. Well, now you know, all you have. All, why now all you have less than ten items or less. And, why like, the fuck would I watch this movie? Maybe it was Ben Kingsley. I mean, did it just like you know? Did Truby just start playing it? Maybe after you like. Oh, well, that's the always a possi- that's like, always a possibility. Like I'm just sitting here basking in my own sorrow, and then Truby's like, "Ah, here's something else you might like." So I look, all you got I'm just saying, all you got left now to, to know like this whole director's filmography is um Morgan Freeman and Paz Vega, like just look, I watched like fifty percent of a fucking episode of AEW Dark the other day. Because, because YouTube was, just played something. 
Yeah, because I was um doing laundry and the dishes, and like I looked up and there, and there it was, and I sat down and watched it. Yeah, yeah. There's a Cypress Hill song on the uh, soundtrack to Ten Years Less. I don't know if that uh, helps or hurts. Um, country viewing of this. Shot at 15 days. Uh, 2006 was a digital download on. Mm-hmm, I see that. Yeah. A lot of um, a lot of a uh, Spanish music in this movie. All right, so there's another one. Uh, another one bites the dust here. Um, mm-hmm. We're um, getting through, buddy. Yeah, we are. Um, fuck this movie. I never seen it. I never will. You see never it. want to. And I still fucking despise this movie only because it gave us fucking Iris. So. And I'll give up for it. What's the what's the what's the what's the score on this movie? And what's the score on the cage performance? Uh, it's a double two, I think. Okay. Twenty-two is our score. All right. You remember me telling you that I want you to tear these movies by the last episode, right? Yeah, this is definitely F tier. I I I remember that at some point throughout COVID, because pre-COVID when we were still filming them together or recording these together, like I told you, I wanted you to eventually tear the movies. Um, and um, yeah, I, I by the end I think we should tear them. So this is this is this is F tier or whatever it end up being. Um, yes. Because I, I want to say I, I'm going to estimate, I'm going to estimate that I think you've given, in terms of movies, I think this is probably the fourth or fifth movie you've given it to. Um, that's awesome podcast. I think you've given one movie a one. I gave something a zero. What did I give a zero? No, nah, you gave. Some, I don't. I don't remember you giving it anything a zero. I remember you giving something basically like that you couldn't. I gave it an NA. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> What was I don't, that? I don't, I don't remember, but uh, yeah, you gave something to NA. And if I was <laughs> if I was keener and wiser, um, I would have made the word document that I use now to track these things a long time ago at the very beginning, and would have like kept track of all like the ratings and scores. Um, but I'm gonna be honest, I don't have the um, time, energy, um, or intestinal fortitude to um, go back and listen to all these again to find out what the scores were you know what's really funny is that um unless easter has an excel doc that he's been tracking for um you know the past year and a half maybe we can just just flip back through our text threads (laughs) every seven uh all right so and this august man jesus okay um so yeah so we got uh about two and a half more months a couple episodes left I don't even yep. keep track of the shit anymore. I have no idea. I don't know. I know what I haven't seen yet, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't. Honestly, it's like every week I'm like surprised by what episode we're actually on um, of this thing. I think it's 81 now, if I remember yeah. correctly. Um, right. Yep, this is episode 81. So, um, Damn, that's so many. Holy shit. Thank you, everybody, for downloading the top five horror movies in 1997. Um, I just logged into our uh, our host, Podbean, and um, 
considerable number of downloads for something that just came out um, two nights ago. So thank you. Uh, that's surprising. Um, yeah, we appreciate it. Yes, very much. Um, so that's shocking. Uh, quick cage, quick cage runs runs steady. Like you know, um, it's like basically like Easter Orion, like um, like two of our friends and um, you know. 25 other people that listen to a quick cage seems pretty pretty consistently um i'm drinking a really delicious beer right now you want to know about it sure tell me all about um it's from this company called lexington brewing company which i had never heard of okay it is a kentucky bourbon barrel ale so i guess it's like fermented in an old bourbon barrel or something but man it's fucking delicious Almost nine percent alcohol too. If you can tell by my slightly slurring speech, because um, I got home at four thirty and just you know. Yeah, I realize now that um, I was on un- <laughs> because for the past six days, I don't, I, I wasn't lying. I, I was only making a joke that Iris was causing the stress of it was causing me um, tooth pain. I realize now that because I've been swishing water in the side of my mouth. For so many days, I'm unconsciously swishing everything in the side of my mouth. Mm. Like, so the um, the Jack and Ginger, I've also been doing that with. And as I've realized, like, oh, maybe this was a bad idea. And I've just been, like, you know, actually just swallowing like a normal human being. Um, yeah, it doesn't hurt as much anymore. So, which is weird because isn't the idea. I asked my doctor this today, like, because, again, I've never had anything like this. I like I asked my dentist a lot of questions, and she um, she was very kind to 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 explain everything to me like I'm stupid. And mm. um, but I asked her, I was like, so how did people deal with this like 200 years ago? Like, like, and she was like, well, you know, they drank alcohol, like you know, and then they just like pulled it out, like you know how like how to pull it out. And I was like. But did they know to always pull it out? Like, you know, depending on where they were at? She's like, probably not. I have no idea. And I was like, and all I could think in my head, like, was like, it's no wonder people just shot each other on the streets. Mm. Because, like, my pain level, I complain about a lot of stuff. Whatever. It's just, like, life suffering and pain. So it's like, it's not that big of a deal. Like, it's just irritating and it makes me irritable um that's it like so it's like if somebody like you know bumped into me in a saloon and i had a gun on me like i can i can see shooting somebody like with right. that kind of irritation right you know i mean it's like they say like when everything feels like a movie that you breathe just to know you're alive right <laughs> like if we've learned anything from the google ball oh good one all right i'll end on that thank you for listening everybody good night <laughs>